Um, we have Claire uh, read to us from Leviticus chapter 23, verses 15 to 22. Uh, today is what we call as Pentecost Sunday. So what is Pentecost? We're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at the historical significance. We're going to be looking at the agricultural significance. We're going to be looking at the messianic significance. And then we're going to be looking at what does it mean to us. So that's what we're going to be doing. How is it going to affect our lives? Uh, this, uh, today there's a second reading as well, which is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, uh, which you can go home and uh, follow through. Uh, I'm going to be focusing principally on Leviticus because uh, that's a part of the Bible most people tend to overlook or speed through or avoid uh, different things. So this will be a good opportunity for it to explore that in the light of uh, Christ. Okay, uh, Acts, obviously I'll touch on that, but Acts we have recently done in our, uh, in our church. Maybe if you've been coming to the church for the last few years, you might have heard me preach through the book of Acts. And uh, shall we take a moment to pray, asking God to speak to us. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much that we are part of your family because you chose us to be part of your family in your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a joy and what a privilege to come and call you Abba, Daddy, Heavenly Father. We love you. We adore you. We bow down before you and we declare you are our God and we are your people. What a joy for us to come confidently into your presence where previously we couldn't have come. You made it possible by sending your Christ to die for our sins. Jesus, you died for our sins. You were buried. On the third day, you were raised up, all in accordance with scripture, seen by disciples and uh, instructed by, inst you instructed the disciples, then you ascended into heaven, asking them to wait till they receive power from on high. You filled them with the Holy Spirit and they went about telling about you and making disciples. We thank you, Jesus, you are at the right hand of God, interceding for us, preparing a place for us, coming back for us, and to judge the world. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you enlighten our minds, you open the eyes of our understanding. And this morning our prayer is the same. Lord, open our eyes that we might fall in love with God even more, to know him even more and to live and serve faithfully for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so, when we look at a text like this, it's good for us to have the big picture. The big picture is God, begins with God. God is unlike any other. He's incomparable. He's unique. He's otherly. 
in that sense, that's what we call as holy. And this God who is holy and sovereign, he's a God who his existence does not depend on another. He simply is. And this God decides to make people. When he made people, he made with the purpose of relationship. For those people to relate with him and him to relate with them. They were given certain, they had perfect harmony, they had perfect fellowship. And they were also given certain parameters, many things they could do and one thing they couldn't do. And uh, these human beings decided to be autonomous. They decided that they will decide what is good and what is right. They declared independence of God. And uh, that is what we call a rebellion. That's what we call a sin. So when they sinned, God being a just God, being a holy God, a true God, he is a man who carries out, he's a God who carries out what he says. He had given them parameters that they will surely die. They lost that harmony they had with God. They lost the harmony they had with themselves. They lost the harmony they had with each other. They lost the harmony with creation. And they were banished from that fellowship, that close walk they had in the Garden of Eden. That means Garden of Delight, where they could fellowship with God. God, who, who is just, at the same time this God is merciful and decided to show mercy on human beings in order to save a people who will be his people. And he chose a man. And that man whom he chose is Abraham. And, in Ab and to him he promised and he said, you're going to have a family when he couldn't, naturally. He had a family and through his son and through his grandson, Jacob, God chose Jacob, Isaac and Jacob. And through Jacob, he created a nation. Jacob, when he encountered God, when God introduced himself, his name was changed and he was called Israel. They are called the children of Israel. They became a nation when God chose Moses to lead them out of captivity to come and to enter into a relationship with him. That happened at Mount Sinai. So here was a... Now these people were God's people. They had a covenant relationship with God at Mount Sinai. God introduced himself and uh, they said, uh, we will obey you and uh, whatever you say, and you'll be our God. And God said, if you obey me, then you'll be my people. They entered into a covenant relationship. They were beginning to have fellowship. But there was one big problem. The big problem was God was pure. His people were impure. So, but they were going to coexist. They were going to live and to have fellowship together. So that's pictured in their journey where they had 
God's tent in the middle of their tents in the wilderness. And so God decided to give them uh, certain rituals, certain purity laws. He gave them a priesthood in order to demonstrate that they are special to God. They, they are his people. So they needed, God gave them some things. They gave some reminders, some rituals were daily, some were weekly, some were monthly, one was monthly, and uh, seven of them were annually. The daily ritual was they had a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. So as they began the day, they called on God. And as they closed the day, they called on God. Saying, God, I need your help. At the end of the day, saying, thank you. That's where you get your Christian concept of quiet time, your morning devotion. Your, what you're saying is basically, I want to start my day with God. At the end of the day when you pray, you're saying, God, thank you for your help for me to get through this day. Then they had a weekly Sabbath, which was once a week. They, they rested and acknowledged God again as a God, their creator, a God who brought them out of bondage. Then they had a monthly festival or ritual which is they, they followed a lunar calendar. So on the first day of the month, according to the lunar calendar, they had what we call a feast of uh, a new moon. Again, what you're saying is basically, God, I want to start my month with you. Please help me this month. This way, so you have got the daily, the weekly, the monthly. In some parts, like in India, for example, you have a service called Begin the Month with Jesus Service. I don't know, maybe in the Far East as well, you might find that happening. Where people gather early in the morning for an hour just to pray every month. Okay. Then you have got the annual festivals. Four of them were in springtime. And three of them was in autumn because Israel was in the northern hemisphere. So in those festivals, we are looking at Pentecost. Pentecost is the fourth one in that list. One day I will probably do a series on this, but now we'll just focus on this. So first of all, this particular festival Unlike the other festivals, they could not celebrate it until they had entered the promised land. Though it was given during the time they were in the wilderness, they could not celebrate it until they entered the promised land. It's found in the book of Leviticus. Why that name Leviticus? Because, like I mentioned, this book contains the details of priesthood, rituals, purity laws, and uh, one of the uh, sons of Jacob was called Levi, whom God chose. And he said, you're going to be my priest. So because it contains so much of detail, which is meant for the priest, it became, it, called, it became called in English as Leviticus, named after Levi. Okay. So this festival, they could only celebrate after they had entered the promised land, after they've had the first harvest. So there was something that used to run ahead of this festival. I said there were four, this is the fourth, the, the third one. In the third festival, was they started the harvest 
and they're not allowed to eat the harvest until they brought a sheaf, a token amount of the grain they harvested, and they bring it to the priest, and the priest will take it up into the tabernacle. Tabernacle is a dwelling place where God's, if you call God's local address in the house of Israel, they come there, and what the priest will do is, he will do this. He will wave the sheaf. He's saying, thank you God for bringing me into the promised land. Thank you for the harvest. I am bringing you the first fruits. Again, in Christendom today, we celebrate or we worship God through our tithes, our offerings. In doing that, what are we doing? As moment you receive your wage, what you're saying is, thank you for enabling me, granting me the opportunity to, to make wealth or money. And what you're doing is, you're bringing a token back and you're saying, God, thank you, thank you to God. And that festival was called as first fruits. So the, there's a principle lying there, God first in my life. So when you consider in your lives, when you think about offering or giving, it's not the leftover you bring to God. It's the first bit you bring to God. You're saying, God, you matter. Imagine uh, uh, today uh, we are meant to have a student's picnic. We don't know the weather's bad, but say if I, and it was my turn to cook the picnic, so if I cook the, if I pitched up and I told uh, James and Emily and Laura and who else is up there, Ashley or, or James at the back, if I tell them, hey guys, I'm so glad you came to the picnic. I've got some leftover for you guys. How lovely it is. But at the same time, if I made an effort and said, I made something special for you guys. So it's the same when you treat people. You've got to treat God the same way. You've got to treat his family that special way. You're coming and saying, God, I want you to bring the best. I want you to bring the first. You matter to me. You're special to me. In uh, marriage relationships as well, we've got many people who are married here. I would say sometimes in, in married life, what happens is with time and familiarity, your kindness seems to be better to the stranger outside and courtesies better for the stranger outside than in your family. Hey, that needs to be readdressed if that is the case. Make that effort and say, you matter, you're special. God is special, so you treat God specially and his family special. So the harvest has begun. The wave, only after they wave, they can eat the harvest. Then they start. But the harvest is a process. The first harvest that happens in Israel is barley harvest. And uh, seven weeks later comes the wheat harvest. Because wheat takes longer to grow. I'm not an agricultural specialist, but that's how it is. Okay? So when they bring the wheat harvest, that was seven weeks after they had the first fruits. 
Incidentally, did you know that Jesus rose again on the day of the first fruit? He is the first fruit, so we are the next. Hallelujah. He is the only begotten Son of God. We are the sons of God. Hallelujah. You get the picture? You don't, we're not just playing church there. Oh, nothing better to do. Let's gather on Sunday. No, you are chosen by God and you've been brought into His family. You are His church. You are His gathering. And you're coming, and when you're coming, just you might have thought, I've just come to. Uh, you might have come because you wanted to come or you might have come because it's habit but in that coming you're saying God you matter your family matters there might be a lockdown but you matter your family matters worship matters because you are special oh God okay so look at that think, think about that so they had to count seven weeks that counting of the seven weeks in Hebrew weeks is Shavuot. Counting, that word is called Omer or Measure. In Greek, the word is Pentecost, which simply means 50 days. After seven weeks from the waving of the sheaf, on the 50th day, there will be another gathering, and that is the Pentecost. I've given you the agricultural significance. The historical significance is it was on that day Moses went to receive the Torah, the Ten Commandments from God. So a covenant relationship was established and the terms of the covenant has been engraved on tablets of stone. Today, God engraves his covenant on our hearts. That is why Apostle Paul writing to the Christian church he says circumcised of heart in other words what he's saying is your hearts are not callous to God anymore it is soft-hearted to God he's saying God you matter because I love you how do you because you love him because he first loved you so there you are the historical significance and you know the children of Israel struggled to keep the purity laws. It wasn't easy. In some cases they became so stubborn and they, they continued in sin. But God is gracious. He gave this ritual how they can bring a sin offering and deal with it. How to confess their sins. And the picture, Apostle Paul writing to the Colossians, the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter 2, he says, let no one judge you or discredit you because of your observance or lack of observance of these feasts and festivals because these are a shadow of things to come but the substance is Christ. Every festival was pointing to Jesus. The entire Bible is pointing to Jesus. So if you want to understand even the most complex part of the Old Testament, you have to look in the light of Jesus because it's all pointing to Jesus. So you use Jesus as the, the mode of interpretation to understand scripture. So you don't get hung up on the alleyways and things like, was that fruit apple or was it a pear? Oh, what's the, you know, I don't, I don't understand all this killing and battle. 
what basically what he's saying is it was a messed up world until the messiah comes it's a messed up world people are killing people we still live in a messed up world until the new government will be established in its fullness and he is preparing citizens for the kingdom and you are the citizens of the kingdom and there are many more who are going to become citizens of the kingdom because you are going to announce the message that the king is coming and the king is the king is calling his citizens so when we share the gospel this, having this awareness God has already earmarked people in the city in the season to come to be introduced to him and God has ordained that the church is the mode in through which God has ordained the gospel as the method through which as it's proclaimed that people will turn to God friends gospel however badly preached in terms of style or panache or whatever it is it is the gospel of god and is the power of god to save his people so you know sometimes you know you're in a circumstance you say as as time goes on we will be looking at how to create a culture of discipleship maybe at the weekend away put your dates down in your diary so it is necessary so what happens is these people were struggling and sin and what did god do god sent his spokespersons his spokespersons are called the prophets and what do they do they came and used to say if they were if you guys were continuously unrepentantly carrying on in sin he calls you out called out oi turn from your sin change your ways you are people of god you can't behave this way that was the role of the the spokespersons one of the spokespersons during that time was called joel and uh what he did is god spoke through him in chapter 2 verse 28 and 29 he says in the last days god will pour out his spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters will prophesy young men will uh, see visions and old men will dream dreams During the time of the Babylonian captivity God spoke through Ezekiel another spokesperson and God said you know you guys have been carried away into captivity but there's going to be a remnant that is going to return I'm going to give them a new heart a new start a new life because their hearts had become callous It is possible for Christians sometimes to become callous towards the things of God because of familiarity like in your marriage situation sometimes you've just taken things for granted you sometimes you've taken friends for granted hey you matter God you matter your people matters so you got this I'll give you a new heart a new start and I'll put my spirit inside So Ezekiel speaks about it. John, another spokesperson of of God, another prophet, John the Baptist. He breaks into the scene and he says, "The the promised Messiah is coming. 
but you citizens are not ready to receive him. Therefore, repent, wash yourselves, and be clean to ready to receive the king. That's what he preached. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And many people came and they did something. And uh, when he was asked a question, he said, are you the Messiah? He said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm the forerunner, but there's one coming after me. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Messianic significance. I'm bringing you to Acts. So Jesus is the baptizer, the dipper, immersa. He plunges you into the presence of God. Wow. Sadly, in our world, Christians often lose that awareness of the presence of God who's dwelling inside of us. Therefore, we panic. Therefore, we find things boring. We find church boring. We find reading boring because you've lost the awareness of the presence of God. People of God, Today is Pentecost Sunday, and when that day the, the Jesus rose again on the, I told you the days of the first fruits, and then, and then for the next 40 days Jesus was instructing his disciples. He gave them many instructions. He said one of them he said is, "Go and make disciples. Teach them all that I've taught you." And he says, I, I will be with you always under the end of this age. God with us, I'll be with you. Friends, when we have loads of different circumstances, different voices, different uh, difficulties we face, we lose that focus sometimes. God is with us. And then Jesus ascended into heaven, but just before he ascended, he told his disciples, wait, wait, wait until you're endured with power. Because God promised this in Joel, Jesus promised it. God promises through even now, John the Baptist, they were waiting. That's why it's the promise of the Father. What was the promise of the Father? The promise of the Father is, I want to be amongst my people. God wants to be among his people. God wants to be in your workplace. God wants to be in your marriage. God wants to be in your leisure. God wants to be with his people. So, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God's people, the disciples of Jesus, about 120 of them, they were gathered in one place, in one accord, and they're praying together. Suddenly, there was a phenomena which was like the sound of a rushing mighty wind that came into that room or that place they were. They, what appeared like tongues of fire, cloven tongues of fire, came and rested on each one of them, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. These were languages which were spoken in other parts of the Roman Empire. This 
oh, I told you of these seven rituals or seven annual festivals. Three of them were called as pilgrimage festivals, which means every Israelite had to come to the tabernacle or come to the temple. And this was one of them. So lots of people were gathered there. You know, the, the Passover is one of those festivals that people had to come. Jesus died at the time of the Passover. Jerusalem was teeming with people when Jesus went to die on the cross for our sins. And here, again, when God is saying, I want to come and be amongst my people, then again, there were masses of crowds. These were all children of Israel gathered there. And they began to say, these men were praising God in their, lang their own languages. They said, what is, what, what is happening? Peter stood up and he began to proclaim what? The gospel. Who is Christ? And when he proclaimed the gospel, they were cut to the heart. Put it differently. They felt the circumcision of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. They were see, experiencing a heart surgery. The calcium bits were being cut off. Their hearts were beginning to become raw and soft towards God. And they said, brothers, what must we do? And he said, repent. And be baptized. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Today, you are the church. How does Pentecost affect us today? My prayer is that each one of us will have a heightened awareness of God's presence with us. We must have a heightened awareness of God's presence in our everyday, tangibly. You know, sometimes you find this terminology that we say, I want to experience a Pentecost. Doesn't mean that God is going to come fresh on you. He's already there. It's it's there's a if you want to let's put it there's a apocalypse, an opening of the curtains, and you suddenly whoa. Let me tell you, you know, one of my favorite verses is is in Genesis, where Jacob is running away from his family. He goes to sleep in, in the wilderness. He, did, he forgot to take a sleeping bag. He used a rock for a pillow. And he didn't have a tent. He slept in a starry night. That night he had a dream, a dream where God, he sees a ladder from heaven to earth. Angels ascending and descending on that ladder. Next morning he wakes up and he says, Whoa, God is in this place and I didn't know it. Friends, that's exactly what you're going to experience in your life if you say, God, I want to know your presence in a tangible manner in my everyday life you can experience Pentecost how does it affect you it changes the way you think you get rid of your glasses the glasses you might be fail the glasses you might be wearing might be saying failure you're rubbish you will you will amount to not much you're not getting anywhere in life you, your life looks like you're walking through treacle You wear on a different glasses and say, I am an ambassador for God. Claire and I were having a chat last night. I'm not going to go into any detail, so be, rest, be assured. And sometimes you don't enjoy things in life where you are. 
Nevertheless, you're still serving in foreign office. You're not enjoying the assignment. But you've been placed there. When you have that idea that you have been placed there as God's ambassador, then you have, you realize the reason. You might be looking and say, the ambassador to the United States seems to be doing better. The ambassador in Canada is doing much better. Oh, I'm in, I'm in Somaliland and nothing much is happening here except stray bullets. But God has placed you as an ambassador. That is what we need to gather. So friends, I don't know what you're facing. Today as we go to take communion today, you can tell yourself, the first fruits has happened. Christ is risen. Pentecost has happened. Lord, let me live in the reality of the first fruits and the Pentecost. And let me worship you with my whole life. Let it, Lord, please affect my thinking, my, my uh, viewpoint. Help me to look at things from God's point of view as I face through whatever that is thrown at me. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your desire to be with your people. And today we want to say thank you for making us your people. We couldn't have done anything, but we thank you there's a day coming. There are going to be more people added to your people. And we are saying, God, we are your foreign office here in Bristol. And we want to welcome some people into your family. We're also confessing, Lord, we don't know quite sometimes how to, but we know one thing, it's you who grow, brings about growth. Our job is to proclaim the gospel. Help us, Lord, we pray. We pray, Lord, may each one of us experience that deep awareness of your abiding presence, that we may be charged in our speech charged in our thinking, charged in our lifestyle, that we are living for you. We ask for practical outworking of this, enrichment around us. We bring particularly those of us who are struggling in certain outposts where we are not enjoying. Help us for a greater awareness that you've placed us there deliberately. And we ask, whatever you're doing, do it through us. We are waiting. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.